Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 58 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign and today we're going to pray for gifts throughout scripture old testament and new there was a promise given before the crucifixion of our lord and savior jesus christ a promise of a gift to come it was spoken of many times by jesus himself it was spoken of many times by the prophets of old this is something that had from a long time been foretold Yet Jesus made it very clear that we would not receive it until he had first died to release it. And by this do we know that he truly is the Messiah because even from the beginning in the Old Testament prophets, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be pierced, that we might receive this gift. So what is the gift? When we hear about the gifts of God, we tend to think, of the nine spiritual gifts and while those do apply i want to retrain your eye to look past the gifts to the gift because you see in acts chapter 2 verse 38 we read then peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call so in this we see that though there are many gifts they all stem from the gift the true gift the gift of the Holy Ghost And Peter leaves no room for error or interpretation in saying that this gift was to all those who believed, not only to those in this generation, but to all of their children and to those afar off, as many as would be called. And so I ask you, my friend, have you been called? And of course, we understand that according to Jesus Christ, through the parable that he gave about the marriage supper of the Lamb, that all were called. Though few were chosen because few chose to put on the garment, the robe of righteousness, yet still was all called. And so Peter here makes it very clear that this gift has been made available to all who have been called. And the only requirements to receive it is that we first repent of our sins, choose to turn away from unrighteousness, be baptized or immersed in the very presence and faith in the name of Jesus Christ. That we might truly believe and receive that his blood has atoned for our sins, cleansed us from within, and given us newness of life. And then ask for the gift. Because Jesus himself said many times that he would give us rivers of living water and that this would represent the Holy Spirit. If we would ask him, we must ask for this gift. And so in this, I want us to shift our vision, our view, our perspective, our focus, first and foremost, away from the minor gifts and place it on the major gift, the gift, 
the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God himself that indwells us and empowers us and enables us to do great and mighty things. Because when we set our eyes on the things that he gives us and not on him himself, it's something akin to God giving us a husband and then we thank him for the credit card that the husband has, but ignore the husband. Yes, the Holy Spirit brings us many gifts, but the Holy Spirit himself is truly the gift. Let me take you a little deeper into this by asking you, that if the Holy Spirit is the gift, then why was this gift given? In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus himself gives us this answer when he gave the disciples their commission, but told them first, do not leave Jerusalem until that you have been endowed with power from on high. He told them this, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Sumeria and in the uttermost parts of the world. So we recognize today that the Holy Spirit is the gift. And we recognize that it was given for a specific purpose, a reason that we might be made a witness, that we might be empowered to go out and profess the goodness and the glory of God by giving the testimony of Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit might use us, speak through us, and prove God's power by us to validate the testimony that the blood of Jesus has overcome the enemy. He literally sends us out a liberator empowered with the authority of the kingdom. Therefore, are we made ambassadors of Christ? I want you to get a revelation before we begin praying of the depth and complexity and power and scope of what God is offering. Because the gifts are not for us to put on a show. The gifts are not for us to get attention. The gifts are not for personal edification. The gifts are to make us a witness to others of the power and validity of the message of Jesus Christ, that he has paid a price to empower us to overcome the curses, lies, and temptations of the enemy, that we might be set free, that men might be made to believe that they too can be set free. You see, there's something very interesting that happens throughout Scripture. Jesus and even the Old Testament prophets, they talked about this, this gift. It would be given after the Messiah would be crucified. And it would empower us to be able to do that which we could not do before. And that is to keep the commandments, to walk in obedience to God's word. It gives us overcoming power. You see, this thing that was always called the promise... There's a little bit of a confusion about it in the modern church that causes a bit of a divide. Because in some places it talks about this Holy Spirit, this promise, this gift. But then there are other passages that talks about another gift. For example, when it says that we are saved by grace and that it is the gift of God. Therefore is grace this gift. And so we may begin to ask, wait a minute. This gift that had been promised of old that would come after the death of the Messiah, was it the Spirit or was it grace? My friend, let me give you a revelation today that can erase much of the divide in the church. 
Because God makes it very clear in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 2 that the Holy Spirit is grace. Grace is literally the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible is clear that the gift was going to be something that we had access to after the crucifixion of the Messiah that would empower us. And so we have to ask ourselves, what did we have after the crucifixion that we did not have before? We have the Holy Ghost and we have grace. And so when we take it back to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, it, it very clearly tells us that when the Messiah was pierced, it released the spirit of grace, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Therefore is grace and the Holy Spirit one and the same. They are interchangeable because grace is simply the power of the Holy Spirit. The definition of grace is favor, power, and divine influence. So if we look closely at that, when we are in field with the Holy Spirit, it makes us the children of God because the word of God says that those who are led by his spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. Therefore, does having the Holy Spirit give us that favor? It also gives us the power that we are given through the gifts of the spirit to be a witness. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you have received power. Therefore, if grace is power, it is the power of the Holy Spirit because it is only by the Holy Spirit that we receive power and it is divine influence by definition. And only by receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can we be led by the Spirit, can we hear the voice of the Spirit that we might be divinely influenced to walk in overcoming authority and power and wisdom that we might step around every snare and temptation, my friend. I tell you again that grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why in the Old Testament it was literally called the Spirit of Grace. So while there are some who may cry that we need more grace and some that would cry that we need more Holy Spirit, the reality of it is, is that it all comes from the same place. And we receive it all by faith in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Which literally means salvation. Therefore, when we call upon the name of Jesus, when we believe in the name of Jesus, we are believing in the salvation that is granted by the Son of the living God that came down to this earth and shed his blood, gave his life to make an atonement for us. That we might be cleansed, our temple might be cleansed, that it could then be indwelled by the Holy Spirit that he had released because the Holy Spirit cannot indwell an unholy temple. Therefore, did our temple have to be cleansed before it could enter in? So when we believe and repent or our sins forgiven, and when we pray and call upon his name, does the Holy Spirit enter in that we might be empowered by that grace to live for him? Now let me explain something to you, my friend. This is all part of salvation. It's part of our sanctification. And it all comes by faith. But we all come to a place in our Christian faith where we have believed on his name. We've began to learn and to grow, even to be taught by, led by that Holy Spirit because there is always first a covering before an indwelling. And at salvation, we all move in a, a measure of faith because it is a choice that we make faith is a choice because the Bible says that whomsoever shall believe 
and call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. But then the Bible says that we must begin to grow in grace. And so where we begin is not where we should end. And to this, my friend, I tell you that there will come a point at which he will desire to begin to fill you with gifts. Though we praise God mostly for the gift, as we said earlier, that spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit himself, and the grace that he gives us, we need to begin to seek him to empower us to go out and be a witness. So to this, Paul begins to instruct us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, that there are diversities of gifts, but they all come from the same Spirit. So in this, we understand that all of these gifts of the Spirit are administered to us by the Holy Spirit. And there are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. These administrations are the offices, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, ministries of helps and healings and so forth and so on. These are physical offices. Therefore, are they administered to us by Jesus, who was the physical manifestation of God? And there are diversities of operations between the two. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. So let me clarify this to you a little bit. I've explained to you before about how God is a three-part being. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we were created in his likeness, a three-part being with a body, a soul, and a spirit. Our body is the physical manifestation of who we are. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotion. And then there is our spirit, which reflects in our character. That's why sometimes our character seems to be in conflict with our thoughts or our emotions because there is a separation between the soul, the spirit, and the body. In the same manner, is there a separation between God, who is spirit? Jesus said that he is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And Jesus, who was the physical manifestation of God and the Holy Ghost, which is a spiritual manifestation of God. Therefore, are the spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit to be an influencing power on our mind, our soul, and our body, while the offices, which are physical operations, were administered by Jesus because that he was the physical manifestation. You can think of it this way. My husband sometimes explains it this way, and I rather like it, that we can look at water and we can see that ice is a physical manifestation of water. We can see that Steam or vapor is something akin to a spiritual manifestation of water. And then we have fluid water, but it's all H2O. It's still water. So in actuality, it all goes back to God. And Paul is trying to point out here that though there are spiritual gifts and though there are physical offices, the operation of all of it is conducted and controlled and administered by God himself. So he continues to say in verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And again, the words that Paul is saying here are confirming Peter's words when Peter said that, that this gift of the Holy Ghost would be given to all generations. Right here, Paul reiterates that by saying that the manifestations of the Spirit are given to every Man, and In fact, it was said in the book of Acts that it was the fulfillment of the prophecy that God had given when God himself said, I will pour out my spirit upon 
all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and upon the servants and the handmaidens shall I pour out my spirit he would not withhold it from anyone but all of the operations of the giftings of the Holy Spirit would be made available to all men free or bond Greek or Jew male or female rich or poor it didn't matter anymore because we were all one in Christ he took on our death that we might take on his life so now it is him that lives in me and not who I was therefore does Paul say that these gifts were given to everyone to profit with all for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the, the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the workings of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but all these work that one in the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills in other words every man will work in some of these gifts but they will not usually work in all of them. It is up to the will of God as to which person gets which gift and when it operates. Remember that the Bible says that as many as are led by my spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God, not as many as lead my spirit, as many as allow themselves to be led by my spirit. We are led by his spirit. We do not control him. We submit ourselves to his control. The Holy Spirit is not so much a gift that we willed as much as it is a gift that we yield to. Yes, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. He goes on to continue to say that we are many members, but we are all part of one body and Christ is the head. He is the one leading, giving the direction and the correction. And then we as different members in the body are moving in our different functions, in our different giftings and callings, that it should all work together to accomplish the will of God. On Saturday nights in our church, when we have intercessory prayer and worship, there is free access for the moving of the gifts. And it's amazing the message that the Lord always brings forth. Forth. He always manifests a word through different people, through different scriptures that they have opened to. Maybe something somebody dreamed or the word that came forth in the prayer or the songs that were saying. It all comes together to deliver a message that we might understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. And we get it in such completeness and wholeness and unity because that it is not us. It is not one man. And the devil cannot come in and convince anyone that it was from any other source. Therefore, do they have great faith in it and are able to walk out in the assurance and the power of their Lord, knowing that God has truly spoken this because man did not plan this. We didn't do this. We yielded to this. And in seeing how it all worked seamlessly together without disorder or confusion proves that his presence is real is here is leading and that my friend is very stirring and encouraging because my friend we can all be made to doubt a man but when we know that a word has come forth by God's own hand we can walk in absolute faith in it so I want to break these gifts down for you there's nine gifts they fall into three different categories with three different gifts in each category. 
First, we see that there are speaking gifts, which are tongues, the gift of prophecy, and the interpretation of tongues. These are all gifts that are spoken. And then there are the knowing gifts, which is the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discernment. These are all things that come to your knowing. You don't have to speak them immediately. You can hold on to them because it's something you just know in your spirit. Like my dad says, you just know it in your knower. <laughs> and then there are the faith gifts or the doing or action gifts. These gifts come from deep within, but you have to take an action to see them manifested. And these are the gifts of healing, miracle, and supernatural faith. Now we might ask ourselves, why do they come this way? Why are there why are there three different sets of gifts and three gifts to each set? And to that I bring you a revelation for the reason that I explained what I did in the beginning about God and man and how he is a three-part being. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are a three-part being. We are body, soul, and spirit. Therefore does the Holy Ghost release three gifts to each part of of us. There are three gifts to the body, the speaking gifts. There are three gifts to the soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, which are the knowing gifts. And there are three gifts given directly to your spirit, which are the faith gifts, the doing and the action gifts. The most common gifts to operate in, the easiest gifts to operate in, or the speaking gifts or the gifts that manifest through the body because these gifts are the only gifts in which the Holy Ghost literally directly controls the body. At any other time or point or source, the Holy Ghost has to go through the soul and the soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So when the Holy Spirit speaks something to us or reveals something to us and it's in our soul, in our mind, there's a battle there. We've got to deal with an issue of faith. But whenever he moves directly to control the body because that we have willingly submitted Submitted that and yielded that to him, there is no thought. That's why when scientists have tested and done CAT scans on people while they were speaking in tongues, the language center of their brain literally goes dormant and so that they have proven that it is not a language that is coming from the human brain. It's not going through your soul, your mind, your will, or your emotion. It is the Holy Spirit of God directly manifesting through your physical body without any interference. The same thing happens in the gift of prophecy. Let me explain something to you because most people do not understand prophecy. They confuse the two between the word of knowledge and the gift of prophecy. Word of knowledge is a knowing gift. If it's something that you know and can hold on to and can go tell someone later something that you just have this knowing in your spirit, that is not prophecy. That is a word of knowledge. The Holy Ghost has given a revelation to your soul and then you can go and release that. However, prophecy is a spoken gift. It comes forth in the same manner that tongues come forth and you may know the first few words, but you don't know what's coming after that. That is prophecy. He says, open your mouth and speak. So we open our mouth and we speak and the word of prophecy comes out. Prophecy is literally yielding your mouth to the spirit of the living God that God's words can come out and you don't really even know what you're going to say you just know that he's saying open your mouth and speak and let the word of the lord come out that is true prophecy it doesn't matter if it's a preach it doesn't matter if it's a teach it doesn't matter if it's a thus saith the lord it doesn't matter if it's a word about your past present or future it doesn't matter if it's a warning a correction or a direction if the lord said open your mouth and speak and you opened it and the word of the lord came out it is prophecy but when you know it in your heart, and then you can go and release it, it's a word of knowledge. 
And so in this, I see that many pastors will tell people that they cannot give a word of prophecy unless they tell it to the pastor first. And I do understand that because there are so many false prophets, prophesying instead of prophesying, that it's put a bad taste in many pastors' mouth and they're just trying to protect their flock so that wrong words don't come forth and do damage. The reality of it is that the prophetic does not work that way. You cannot say what you are going to say and then release it again another day. The prophetic comes forth as it is. It's the Lord speaks it if you are willing to release it and that is it. If it's a word of knowledge, you can tell the pastor and then he can decide whether or not you can go and tell that person. So I would say for pastors that the more biblical way for the prophetic to function in a church is that for you to allow people who have been tried and tested and proven to be hearing from the Lord to release as the Lord prompts them. And when a false word comes forth, be willing to shut it down and sit that person down because we are aware that in scripture there were always more false prophets than real prophets. Biblically, there are instructions for how these gifts are to operate. The Bible says that they should all be done decently and in order. And to that, I tell you, my friend, that if the Holy Spirit is truly leading, he is the head and we are different members of the body and we are all listening to the instruction of the same spirit, that body is going to work in unison, in flow, in unity. It will work together. It will function decently and in order when there is a conflict of spirits it's because there's more than one spirit somebody's not listening to the holy spirit the body doesn't fight with the body the body doesn't compete with the body the body cooperates with the body so again using the example of the way it functions on our saturday nights those who are led of the holy spirit will know whenever the lord wants to bring a word forth the people in the worship team hear the spirit of the lord and they know and the music will quiet down and the person will speak out there's really even no reason to shout because that everyone is in tune to the same spirit we hear it and we cooperate with it and when the spirit is done moving through one person, if he wants to confirm it, it will move to the next. And where one drops off, the other will pick up because they are functioning as a body. Anytime a manifestation of the spirit is disrupting something, it is because there are multiple spirits in conflict. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit must interrupt in order to correct someone who is not being led of the right spirit. So I do not say that every disruption is wrong, but it still proves the presence of multiple spirits. If all are led by the voice of God and all truly hear it, then all will be in unity with that spirit and they will function decently and in order without chaos, confusion, interruption, disruption. It will work as one body. If we read a little further down towards the end of that same chapter, it continues to say, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And in this we see that he does give priority to the offices of the apostle who ministers to ministers and helps to bring correction to the church, to the prophet who does the same, who is willing to speak that correction and direction and give that call to repentance to either the church or the nation, to teachers who help to instruct people to come into understanding and agreement and alignment with the word and will of God, 
And then after that, the workings of miracles, gifts, healing, signs, all of these manifestations so that we can then go out and be a witness to others of the power of the things that we have learned. But Paul leaves us with this warning to remind us that we are working as a body and that not everyone can work in the same function or have the same role. To this, he says, are all apostles? And of course, we know that they are not. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Of course not. We do not all have teaching gifts. Are all workers of miracles? No, we're not. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Of course not. Do all interpret? No, not everybody has the gift of interpretation. And yet he closes it by saying, however, we should desire these gifts. We should desire the best gifts. Seek the Lord. Because Jesus said that if you ask me, I will give. So I tell you again, my friend, that we should seek the Lord. But at the same time, don't think yourself more highly than you ought. That you are so high and mighty because that you have a gift and that somebody else doesn't. That you are his and they are not. Because Paul made it very clear that we work in different functions with different offices, callings, and gifts. And just because a person is missing some doesn't mean that they're not in the kingdom. It just means that their function in it is different than yours. So encourage them and thank God for it because each function works jointly fit together to accomplish the will of the Lord. Now, there's a very important reason that Paul lists the offices of the apostle and the prophet and the teacher to have importance and priority above the gifts. And we see this in the very next chapter, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, when he begins to clarify because he did not want people to begin to deify the gifts themselves because, my friend, even a gift can become an idol in our lives if we worship it, if we desire it for vainglory or selfish reasons, if we set our affections on it more sternly than on Christ himself. My friend, we've got to remember That though we ought to seek the gifts in order to help others, it's not as important to seek the gifts as it is to seek the gift giver. Nor is it as important to honor the gift as it is the gift giver. We've got to keep our eyes on the true prize, the true gift, Jesus Christ. All things come in balance. And so to this, Paul warns, That though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. The word charity there is agape. It literally means love. And it's the same word used in the passage when God says that God is love. God is agape. And it's also the first fruit of the spirit. Love is a fruit. It is the character, the manifestation, the true evidence of the Holy Spirit. According to Jesus Christ himself. Because we all know that he said, you will judge a tree by its gifts. What? No, he didn't say that. Oh, that's right. He said, you will judge a tree by its fruits. And then he gives us the fruits. It's the fruits of the spirit. The first of which Jesus also clarifies this again when he says that the world will know that you are my disciples by your gifts. What? Oh, I missed that again. You're right. They will know that you are my disciples by your love, which is a fruit. It's not a gift. According to Jesus Christ, the only evidence for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the fruits of the Spirit. And why is that? Because the gifts can be counterfeited. The fruits cannot. The Bible says that the Antichrist spirit moves in gifts, in signs, and in lying wonders. He will counterfeit the gifts. But the only thing the devil cannot counterfeit is a holy life. He cannot counterfeit holiness. If you watch for those fruits, you're going to see a lack of love 
for God and for others. A lack of patience, a lack of gentleness, a lack of kindness, a lack of self-control, a lack of faith. This is why Jesus said that there will be many wolves in sheep's clothing, false prophets moving in false manifestations. And in fact, towards the end of that passage, he says that on that day that there will be many that will stand before him and will say, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful things in your name? Did we not prophesy? Did we not move in all of these gifts? And he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You were never mine. I don't know you. You are still moving in sin. There is iniquity within you. I never said to judge whether or not my spirit was within you by your gifts. I said to judge it by your fruits. And Paul wanted to make sure that we understood this by following up his message on how we should desire the gifts with this warning that if we have them, if we move in these things, but have not fruit, have not love, then we are nothing. He says, if I prophesy and understand all knowledge and have faith to move mountains, all of these are gifts, but I have not love, that's a fruit, then I am nothing. And then he moves on to our works because fruits are not works, though good fruit will produce good works. Good works cannot manifest good fruit because a very rotten, impatient, unloving person can give to charity and that will not save his soul. But a loving, faithful, patient person will be driven to give to charity and that is a fruit. So while you can't put the cart before the horse, you can put the horse before the cart if you understand what I'm saying. But to this, Paul continues by writing, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned, but have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So in this, he makes it very clear that we can have gifts, but not have fruit and we will be cast into the fire. We can have works and not have fruit and be cast into the fire because if we have the root, which is the Holy Spirit, then we will produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this is the only thing that Jesus says we can use as evidence to see what tree we really are. So though we will pray for these gifts, I want to bring us to this first so that we can remember the importance of developing character, of humbling ourselves to the apostle, the prophet, pastor, and the teacher that we might develop the character. Because if a person doesn't bear the fruit of the character of the Holy Spirit, then their gifts are not coming from the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that the Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. Remember that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that God brings us correction as he does to his children to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Righteousness is the encompassment of the fruits of the spirit. When we walk in the fruits of the spirit, we walk in righteousness. And the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. So my friend, I tell you again to press in and submit yourself to the authority of God that he may prune you and begin to produce that good character in you. And then he will fill you and equip you and send you out because the word of God says that we must walk worthy of the vocation in which we are called. Don't become impatient and begin to receive another spirit because you wanted something quick and easy. Seek the Lord 
Wait upon the Lord. Be patient for the Lord. Have faith that he is going to equip you and empower you and send you forth. You just keep pressing on. And we're going to pray today for the releasing of those gifts. But I have to bring a balance. I have to show you everything that the Holy Spirit has to say about this. Because he wants a people powerful. He wants a people empowered, walking in faith and grace, willing to go forth and change nations. But he needs a people that will rightly represent him and a people that are truly moving in the right spirit and not a false manifestation or an antichrist spirit or that maybe they had it but they strayed away because the gift and callings or without repentance so i need you to heed what the holy spirit is telling you today because we want to do it right remember that there was a time when we covered that story of Jezebel and King Ahab. And King Ahab wanted a vineyard. He wanted something that his brother had. He saw something that somebody else had that was fruitful. He had fruit. He was producing the fruits of the spirit and he became envious of it. And he decided, I want that. I want that vineyard. I want his ministry. I want to look like that. I want to look like I'm fruitful like that. But he didn't want to do the work to dig in, to cultivate that ground, to get the weeds out and the rocks out and the thorns out and prune and work and labor to make that place a fruitful place. So Ahab said, just give it to me. I want it quick. I want it now. And of course, Nabat had to tell him, no, it is not lawful. God has laws here. And God says, no, it is not lawful for me to just give you what has been given unto me by my father. So Nabat says, no, God says, no. And because God said no, and Ahab didn't have patience to do it God's way, he wanted it right here, right now. He allowed Jezebel to step in and say, I'll get it for you. And so he got it another way by another spirit outside of the will of God. And I tell you, my friend, that that spirit of Jezebel is manifesting in the church today because she was a false prophet. She moved in false manifestations and she moves through people who do not have patience. Let the Lord train you, cultivate you, strip you if it need be so, my friend. There is a real power. There is a true power. There is a grace that is meant to make you a witness of the power of our Lord God Almighty. But if you are not living the life, if you are not walking in righteousness, right standing, alignment with the word of God, he cannot validate you. Therefore, he cannot send his spirit to be a witness through you because what you are being a witness of doesn't line up with what he has said. So first, allow yourself to be submitted before apostles, prophets, and teachers. Learn the word of God. Open it up. Read it. Ask the Holy Spirit himself to teach it to you and trust what it says. And I assure you, my friend, he will empower you to go out and be used by his spirit. And the manifestation and the power and the giftings that the gift, the Holy Spirit will give you and move you in and use you in and do through you will be so much greater than any counterfeit or any showmanship I'm telling you my friend we need the real thing to surface in America again the time is now the season is now God is calling his people out and I for one am willing to sit down and cast down my crowns and stop seeking for glory and say okay Lord show me Use me, fill me, lead me. I'm not trying to make you do something for me here. I want to be willing to be used by you. I am willing to serve you. Do you know that that's the true definition of the word minister or ministry is to serve, to be a servant? If we truly want a real ministry of the Lord, then we've got to learn how to serve. 
God first and men second. So according to scripture, here are a few of the reasons that we may not receive the Holy Spirit. And if we keep trying to get a spirit, we may get a spirit, but it will not be the Holy Spirit. Because as my husband likes to say, if you have the Holy Spirit and it's not leading you to live a holy life, then you have a spirit. But it is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's purpose is to make us holy. It will drive you towards holiness if it's not changing your life. It's not God, because though he never changes, everything he touches does. And so it says in the book of James that some of us ask and receive not because we ask amiss to consume it upon our own lust. In other words, our desire for the gifting is not to serve God, to glorify God, to prove his power and his name and the divinity of Jesus Christ. It is not to help our brothers and sisters or to change somebody's life. It is for us to get some fame and some glory. We want it for our own attention. We want it for us. And therefore, does God not give it? So the first thing we need to do is cultivate that character of humility selflessness, servanthood, love, real love, love for God first and men second, and self last, which Jesus said would would cause us to always obey every law and word of the prophets, that we would always do what was right if we love God first and foremost and love others second and love ourselves last. Cultivate love and then the gifts will function the way they ought. There was a story in the book of Acts in chapter 8 starting around verse 9. That very clearly clarifies what I'm trying to say to you. So I'm going to read you this short passage that expounds upon this story of Simon. This was a time when the apostles were preaching in Samaria and God began to really move and do miracle manifestations and bring healing and salvations. It says, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time, before the apostles got there, in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria giving out that himself was some great one. Here's your first clue. When a person is moving by an antichrist spirit, the intention will be on them and they will be perceived as they are someone great. They want to be seen. I love it when Smith Wigglesworth said that if we want to be used mightily by God, the first thing we have to do is be delivered from our desire to be seen and be heard. God wants humble, selfless servants of the Lord that are always pointing towards him and not to us. Remember that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will speak only of me. He will not speak of himself. A person that truly has the Holy Spirit will never direct attention or adoration to themselves. He will always point everyone and everything back to Jesus. It's always about Jesus. If they're not preaching Jesus, my friend, you better run. If they're not calling you to holiness, you better run. If they're not crying out for repentance, you better run. Because there is a counterfeit that is all about me. It's all about selfishness. It's all about vainglory. It's all about the fruits of the flesh and not of the spirit. It will tell you what you want to hear, but not what you need to hear. It will stir your emotions, but not your convictions. It will validate your will, but it will never tell you to kill your will and walk in God's. It will tell you that the wide road is the right road and that you don't have to walk that narrow road. It will tell you that it's okay to desire the material things of this world and to set your sights on the here and now. It will draw in big crowds, but it will not change you. It will not save you. It will not fill you with the Holy Ghost. It might give you goosebumps. It might entertain you. It might hype you up or stir your soul, but it'll never break you. It won't remake you into something completely new. 
It will use you and deceive you and eventually leave you because it's witchcraft. It's temporary. God sets our sights on eternity and he changes things. He brings healing. He brings deliverance. He brings life-changing, overcoming power. He brings faith in what he had to say. And he points all men to Christ. My friend, if there's any gift that the church needs now more than ever, it is discernment. We need to learn to discern the difference between self and salvation. The difference between a show and a true Holy Ghost manifestation. The difference between feelings and a Holy Ghost infilling. The difference between Christ and Antichrist. It says that this man had great followings and he did work in signs and wonders. It says, but he did it through sorcery and that he bewitched the people in Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. He liked the crowds. He liked the attention. He had great followings. It says to whom they all gave heed. They listened to what he had to say. They all came to his church. They listened to his teaching and his preaching and his praying. From the least of them to the greatest saying, this man is the great power of God. They thought he was a great man of God and that he moved in great power and signs and wonders by the power of God. Hey, this is a capital G here. They're talking about the God, not just some demigod or some false God. This They thought this man moved by the power of God and nearly all people came to him and trusted him and listened to him and they trusted an anointing but it was not from God it wasn't a holy anointing he was moving through the power of sorcery witchcraft and divination yes my friend there are many people in many a congregation that are sitting under Simon's and thinking it's a man of God because they do not have discernment so I tell you again we are going to pray for the gifts but if there's a gift that the church of America needs today more than any other gift then you need to hear what I say we need discernment we need to learn to discern and there is a discernment that comes by the word of God and then there is a gift of discernment we need it both So the people all said that this man moved by the great power of God and to him they had regard because that for a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So Philip is in Samaria and he's preaching and Simon is there and they're doing great signs and wonders and they're preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the people who had been sitting under this man, they're beginning to see that this isn't right. What he's been teaching doesn't line up with the word of God. His character isn't right. He has the right gifts. He has manifestations but the fruit is not right because he's all about self he's all about pride he's all about glory he's all about the show he wants to be seen and to be heard there's some character here there's some fruit that doesn't line up so by judging by the fruit they recognize that the gift was not from God 
And so many of the people began to get saved and to leave his congregation. And so this man comes, comes to the apostles and, and he begins to follow them for a while. And he sees how they're moving in signs and wonders and powers. And it's, it's different from what he had. There's a great revival going on. People are hearing the word of God, believing the word of God. They are repenting and professing the name of Jesus. They are coming into alignment. And so word gets back to Jerusalem. And so we read that it says, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only that they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So Philip is there. He's preaching the word. They're believing. They're repenting. They're professing the name and they're being baptized. They are saved, but they haven't received any of the giftings or the infillings of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter goes out to begin to move in these greater wonders and works and miracle manifestations. And it says that when they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, this sorcerer, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whomsoever I lay my hands upon, they may receive the Holy Ghost. So again, we see this manifestation, this Ahab spirit, this man who liked to be seen and be heard and wanted the gifts for his own reasons, for selfish reasons, to get attention, to get vainglory, to have men trust him. And God would not endorse him because that his heart was not right. He didn't want to search the Lord out, seek the Lord out. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to humble. He didn't want to submit. There was something wrong in his heart. There was still sin. And so obviously the spirit didn't infill him, indwell him, and therefore was God saying no to him. So, so he does what Ahab did. He listens to that spirit of Jezebel and tries to get it another way. He wants it quick. He wants it easy. He wants the power without the sacrifice. He wants the endorsement without the holy life. He wants the reward without laying down his pride. To this Peter replies, but Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee. Because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. My friend, anyone who preaches or desires or has a love for money, you better run from them. Because it is not of God. The Bible says you cannot serve money and God at the same time. It's bad fruit. It's a sign that there's something wrong in the heart. There's another God. There's another voice. There's another spirit. There's another root producing this fruit. His focus was on money. His focus was on power. His focus was on vainglory. His focus was on attention. His focus was on getting a bigger crowd. His focus was not on Christ. Beware, my friend, of anything that draws your eyes to any prize except for Jesus Christ. And so Peter tells him that because he has desired the gift of God, for these reasons, it says, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart might be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. There was sin in his heart, there was envy. There was jealousy. There was desire for vain glory. And Peter said, repent. You better repent because right now you have no part in the inheritance of this kingdom. 
and I know that this is a heavy and it may not be a message that you've ever heard preached in correlation to the gifts of the Spirit but my friend I assure you it is needed because I want you to have the real thing I want to see a people moving in power because this hour is desperate and we need it. There is a cause, there is a need, and God is ready and willing to release, but he needs clean vessels to pour into. So my friend, I've gotta show you the tactics of the enemy that is stealing people's victory and bringing shame and reproach upon the name of Jesus Christ and blaspheming the Holy Spirit with counterfeit manifestations and causing many people to be ashamed and afraid and run away from something that Jesus paid a very high price to give us the gifts are available he paid a price he gave his life that his blood might atone that his holy ghost might be released that it might infill us and equip us and send us out to be a witness and to give a testimony of his glory his overcoming power in our life that it might validate the truth of the word that he gave us through his life because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and that we love not our lives unto the death that means that it's his blood his sacrifice what he did but the testimony of how that changed us and empowered us and sent us out to give them that word and that we were willing to give it even though nobody wanted to hear it and maybe even came against our life for it this is what overcomes the enemy this is the power of the kingdom but we need the real thing And so I tell you today, my friend, that we first got to repent. We've got to repent for wanting the gifts and not the gift giver. For wanting the blessing and not to be a blessing. Who want to be teachers but don't want to take time to learn the lessons. We've got to repent of wanting attention. We've got to repent of wanting power. We've got to repent of wanting followers. We've got to repent of trying to build our own kingdom at the expense of God's and bringing shame and reproach upon his name in the process and chasing after every other spirit who's willing to give us a little bit of power without going through Pentecost to get it. Today, my friend, we are going to pray, but we are going to pray for the real thing a true infilling and movings of the giftings of the Holy Spirit of the living God but we want it pure we want it perfect we want what is truly of the Lord that it would blow everything else out of the water because the counterfeit is always just a shadow of the real and God's got the real deal and he's ready to fill us with it my friends so I tell you today that if your heart is right in this matter and you have by faith believed the word of God repented of your sins and are willing to confess that truth that you now believe in your heart through your mouth as a witness to others and become submerged, emerged, covered, plunged into the very presence of Jesus and be atoned for by the cleansing blood of our Christ that purifies your temple so that you can be filled or indwelled by the Holy Ghost who will then empower you with the grace to be a witness of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, then it is available to you today. So let us pray. God, we come before you and we enter in and we worship you. God, we come before you wholeheartedly and we abandon our sin. 
God, we finally understand that this gift was given for a reason. And the reason is that we might overcome the enemy, that we might walk in authority, that we might have the power because you said even prophetically from the Old Testament that you would come and you would take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and you would put your spirit within us and then we would walk in your statutes and then we would keep your commandments. It is the power of that Holy Spirit the grace of God that empowers us to obey and to walk in authority to say get ye behind me Satan you are the tail and I am now the head I have been lifted up into high places and seated with Christ I have been given authority power dominion and might I am favored I am brought into the family I am empowered as a child of God I have divine influence I can hear his spirit leading me and I choose to obey by the power of it by the power of the grace that is released in me because of the faith that I believe that I am able because of the blood that was shed and the name of Jesus Christ and all that he did and the releasing of his spirit to me that I can now repent of that sin turn away walk in the power of it believe it praise you God and thank you that you deliver me that you have atoned for me that you have cleansed me I believe it in my heart that it changes me and I am willing to profess it out of my my mouth to everyone that you are the king that you have given me this authority and this ability that you have set my feet to dancing that where we were once paupers we are now kings and priests in your kingdom God we are moving with the surety and we are praising you for it and we will go forth and be a witness of it we will speak it forth but God we know that we cannot do it in our own strength in our own righteousness so we ask for that infilling of your Holy Spirit God we ask to be equipped God we do ask for the gifts because you said it is your desire in fact Paul said that he wished that we moved in these gifts even more than he did God you desire for us to operate in all of these gifts but it's got to be with the right heart God so we ask you today humbly to change our heart and give us your spirit God we desire to move and produce the good fruit of your spirit that we might rightly use the gifts that you give to equip us to go out so that others might hear the word and believe by faith and receive in the same way that we have God pour out your grace on us today God we ask for your spirit to fill us change us empower us teach us equip us and send us Lord God Almighty For those on whom you would today, God, I pray that you pour out. We glorify Jesus first of all because all that the Spirit does is meant to glorify Jesus. And God, we commit that with everything that you put in us, we will point back to you. We will glorify Jesus. We will testify of his power, his strength, and not our own. We will cause all men to run to your throne where the true power comes from. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you paid a price and you gave your life and you were willing to sacrifice 
that you would atone for us, that we would be able to be made white and that you might release your Holy Ghost, that we might call upon it and ask you for it and receive it. You said if we ask, you would send it, Lord. And we, But we have to come to you realizing that the reason that you send it is that we might be made a witness. So God, we ask for it today. But in asking, it comes with a commitment that we are willing to go out and tell others about it. Because it's not for us. It's for someone else. Everything that you give us, you expect us to give to someone else. Whether it be spiritual gifts or physical gifts or financial gifts, the only time you give is when you know you're giving to a people who will give also. What you freely give to us, God, we commit to freely give to others. You don't give anything for us to consume upon our own lust. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that today, God, you release an outpouring of your giftings to those whom you will, God, pour out the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of faith above all, God, supernatural, divine faith that just takes over and manifests to bring about your will. The gift of miracles, God, because we need it. This nation needs it. This generation needs to see it. They're hearing the stories of generations past. But God, it is time again for the people to pray and to fast and to cry out, God, show us your glory that they might see and believe. God, we pray for the word of wisdom. We pray for the gift of tongues. Paul said, I wish that you would all pray in tongues more than I do for interpretation that it might have power in the presence of the unlearned. And God above all others today, I am praying for you to pour out the gift of supernatural discernment because it is so needed. God, we are pleading. We are not just asking. We are humbling ourselves before you in prayer and fasting and saying, Holy Spirit of the living God, move upon this land by the mighty hand of God for the glory of Jesus Christ and pour out the giftings that we might be a witness of the power of your sacrifice to touch, heal, deliver, and change a life. God, we believe it and we receive it and we thank you for it today and we will not let it be in vain, but we will go out and open our mouth and do what you told us to do. Be a witness that the gifting might glorify you. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music and more, Be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.